Welcome to my podcast, Big Lessons from a Small Island. I'm Sophia Robinson, an author, a blogger, and a coach. I write about life lessons, my experiences, and my philosophy on life, sprinkled with fun, humor, and big love from a small island. My mission is to inspire you to embrace every part of your story and to try something new. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this limited edition podcast series about the 10 lessons I learned in the last decade. I wrote these lessons coming on to the end of 2019, early 2020, and I recently decided to turn them into some fun audios that you can listen to straight from your podcast app. So what I'm going to be doing is pretty much reading the blog post. You can follow along on the website, www.39andcounting.com. And there you can sign up for my mailing list. You can receive emails about new podcast episodes, about new blog posts, and any other projects that I'm working on. So this first episode is about how I learned to finish what I started. I'm going to warn you, this is probably the longest episode that we're going to have. And I had actually split this blog post into two, but I'm going to read it all to you in one episode. So I really hope you enjoy it and come back and join me to hear the other lessons I learned over the last decade. It's the end of an era. A line I heard recently in an episode of Friends where Monica describes an era as being a significant period of time. And by the way, anybody who knows me knows I love Friends. I can quote pretty much every single line. So you may hear a few more Friends quotes in upcoming episodes as well. In my books, a decade certainly is a significant period of time. As we barrel to the end of the decade, one of my work colleagues yesterday reminded me about Y2K and how it seems like not that long ago, we were worried about our technology exploding at midnight and everything resetting to zero. And now here we are 20 years later, living the Star Trek life, yelling to our devices across the room, remind me to buy milk. As we wrap up this decade, I decided to return to one of my favorite blog writing traditions for one last time and write the 10 lessons I've learned over the last 10 years. I'm not sure what the new decade will bring for my writing as it has changed a lot in the past two years from where I started by writing that first lesson about the beauty of imperfection. But no matter what happens, reflecting on life lessons has made a huge change in my life. And even if I'm not writing them on a regular basis, I am not planning to stop altogether. I began the last decade spectacularly in the best physical shape of my life and fulfilling a long time goal of running a half marathon, even if I barely made it over the finish line due to running while ill. And during the past 10 years, I have changed job, I moved back to Barbados, I had some health issues, I have become the heaviest weight of my life, I've had my heart broken, became aunt to the most hilarious little boy, fractured my ankle, started this blog, wrote two books, and published one of them. In a nutshell, I mean, there are so many other things that have happened in between there. So many lessons. And the first lesson in this series is the thing I learned that first year as I crossed the finish line of the Bristol Half Marathon. And it's also one of the last lessons I learned as I wrapped up self-publishing my book in September 2019. 
and it is how to finish what I start. One lesson I have learned over the past few years from finishing various projects, including, as I mentioned earlier, books, blog challenges, and training programs, is that finishing and starting require two totally different skill sets. I've always been someone who, had, who was good at starting things, challenges, diets, books, courses, and half marathons. Sometimes I would finish them strong, Sometimes I would limp across the finish line, and sometimes they would fizzle out or go up in a blaze of glory before I had a chance to finish them. My most recent completions, as I mentioned, my book that I published a few years, a few months ago, sorry, and completing my novel, which was a lifelong goal, have caused me to reflect on finishing and have also prompted many conversations with other people about finishing. People would ask me, how on earth did you finish that book? Some of them have been writing a book for years and have unfinished or almost finished drafts on their computer or in a drawer somewhere. Some have goals that they can only seem to get a few weeks into before life gets in the way. And some don't even start for fear of not being able to finish. And I understand that. There are many things I started and I didn't finish as well. But this recent achievement has caused me to reflect on what contributed to my ability to finish these last few projects. And I wanted to share them with anyone who is struggling to finish a large project or has not even started for fear they're not going to be able to finish. I'm going to start by talking about what you can do before you begin to set yourself up for success. In truth, what you do before you begin is critical to finishing. How are you approaching the goal? How much planning are you doing or not doing? Do you even know what you're trying to achieve? This will set you on a good road to finishing, but don't fear. If you have already started your project or are already working towards your goal, these tips will still assist you in finishing strong. So I'm going to start by telling you a couple of things that didn't help. One thing that didn't help was planning the project in detail all the way to the end. I am not saying that this does not help anyone, but it definitely did not help me. I actually had very little effect on my ability to finish. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that if I had known everything that was being involved in self-publishing that book, I wouldn't even have started. So on this, I would say do some self-reflection and get a good idea on how detailed you need your plans to be in order to finish stuff. But I would also say do not let your lack of a plan prevent you from starting. It is very possible to finish strong even when you don't know how you're going to get there when you take that first step. Sometimes we want a detailed roadmap to start when what we really need is a flashlight to illuminate the next step. And I know that that is often how I work best. So when it came to planning, what did help me? Defining what finished and what success looked like for me. A big part of finishing strong for me was deciding when I have crossed the finish line. That doesn't mean that new goals cannot be set, but it gives you something to aim for and something to celebrate. I also had to remind myself that if I, sorry, I also had to remind myself that I get to decide what success looks like for me. And I can base that on my values and my ability instead of on what someone else was achieving or even aiming for. Another thing that didn't help me was waiting to feel confident before I started. One thing that I found I needed in large amounts in order to finish a project was confidence. 
However, one thing I also learned on my journey, you cannot wait until you're confident to start your project. That is a mistake I have made and I see many people make, waiting to feel supremely confident, like they can boldly go before starting a big project. It has been my experience that courage is built through action, which means that in order to feel that courage, you have to take actions while you're still scared. And you may have to accept that you may still feel scared even after you've taken the big action. And in fact, this is when you might feel the most scared. I know it may sound as if I'm contradicting myself, but stay with me. I have found that confidence can be built through small wins. This means taking an action and gaining success or finishing. One example from my own experience, similar with writing, before I wrote my book, I started a blog. My first win was to finish my first blog post. Doing this gave me the confidence to write another and then another. These gave me the confidence to finish a blog series that I worked on for several months. And with each completed blog post, I gained confidence and momentum. By the time I started my book, I had hit publish on almost 60 blog posts. This gave me the confidence to know that I could write the number of words I thought it would take to write a book. It gave me the confidence to know I would not die if I shared my work, regardless of how it was received. But you do not need to write 60 blog posts before you write your book or embark on any other large project. So what did help me? Starting. Yeah. Creating a routine or a ritual around the repeated steps that it often takes to complete big projects or milestones. In the example of writing, if you set yourself a regular time to write and you do that every day for a few weeks, then it builds up the muscle and builds the courage to know that you can sit and commit. The same thing with training for something like a 5K. Set up a routine around increasing your walking daily and weekly, and you'll be amazed at how much courage you can build. And I started before I was ready. Sometimes I feel like if I waited until I was ready before I started, I would never start anything. So often I tell myself, I'm not ready, but let's do it anyway. One of the other things I find helps with building confidence and starting before I was ready was lowering the stakes. I actually wrote a blog post about lowering the stakes and you can find that on my website, but I'm gonna have read an excerpt of that shortly. I find lowering the stakes is a great way to build courage, skill, or stamina in the thing that we ultimately need to do to finish and reach that long-term goal. So here are some excerpts from that blog post below, or you can read the entire thing on my website. I am a recovering perfectionist. It doesn't mean that everything I did was perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but what it meant in practice was that I didn't want to embark on a project until I had it perfectly planned out in my head and I could be assured of the perfect result. Except that's crazy, isn't it? Much of the time, we don't have as much control over the outcome as we think. An example I will use is my book. I've always wanted to write a book since I was a child. Over the years, the desires waxed and waned, although it never quite went away. And there was one thing in my way from starting it. I didn't think I had enough good ideas. As the years went by, I realized that I had put more and more pressure on myself to come up with that perfect idea that would be the perfect book. And if I didn't have it, then was there even any point in starting and writing something mediocre? 
I put it off for so long that it became this giant undertaking in my head until I had just about convinced myself it would never happen. Then I decided to start the blog. Looking back on it, this was my way of lowering the stakes. I didn't need to have a fantastic idea that I would write three to 400 pages on. I just needed to riff on a topic for a few paragraphs. In the past, that would have seemed like a cop out to me. Why write a blog when what I really wanted was to see my name as an author on the front of my book? But the truth is, sometimes when the stakes are lowered, I'm willing to take so many more risks and I'm willing to release the mediocre version. For some reason, I was okay with imperfection when I was working on something that wasn't the thing. And the lesson I learned from that was that sometimes clarity, competence, even excellence comes through doing. The practice through being mediocre at something and working on it consistently over time. Through writing my blog, I gained the clarity and confidence to write the first draft of my book. I gained the courage to work with my editor and finally felt comfortable releasing it out into the world. I always imagined writing a fictional novel. Through completing one book, I felt confident in my ability to complete a book. And that has encouraged me to try my hand at a fiction book, which I always wanted to write. Sometimes we needed to lower the stakes and do the thing that isn't the thing in order to gain our confidence. So what is the low stakes version for you? Perhaps you want a new job and you're waiting for that perfect thing to come through your inbox. Maybe you could do some volunteering and see if you get a better feel for trying something different. Perhaps you want to write that book. Why not try NaNoWriMo? No one is looking over your shoulder so you can write to your heart's content. You wanna create some more art? Try a paint and sip class and get those creative juices flowing. Sometimes when the stakes are low, you can create something amazing. Your own courage to chase after your biggest goals and dreams. So right now, what can you do to prepare to finish even before you are starting? What is the low stakes or the smallest part of the big dream or goal that you want to bring to life? How can you start before you are ready? You can go on over to the blog and you can comment on what is the first part of this blog post series. And I am going to continue on to part two. So, of course, in the earlier part of this subject about how I learned to finish what I was starting, I talked about finishing and what I did before I started in order to finish strong. Now I'm going to talk about what helps me during the process to help to cross the finish line. So you started your project, you fought all the fears about starting, you have a rough outline and you have a routine when it comes to the daily tasks that are involved in your goal. You know what you want the end result to be and you have built up your courage through small actions and small wins. Now the work begins. As you are heading towards that goal, how can you work towards your goal and improve your chances of finishing strong? Here are some of the things that worked for me. But first, of course, what didn't help? Rigidity. If there's one thing I learned, whether I finish a project or not, is that things never go according to the plan. So one of the first things I had to do was release to sticking rigidly to the schedule. 
releasing my expectations of how things should be and how I perceive other people's attempts at the same project went. Most of my projects were less of running a race and more of an obstacle course. They required a combination of skills, some I was better at and some I was worse at. Sometimes it required me to have help or support. Sometimes it required me to have wine and chocolate. So one thing I found critical to finishing was adaptability. So what did help was being adaptable. Being adaptable is, I think, one of the most critical skills in finishing any type of project. Being able to change direction or take a diversion, sometimes at a moment's notice. Sometimes we come back on track, sometimes we veer off entirely. And it is possible to do this and still achieve success. It is important to remember during this that roadblocks or setbacks are not failures, but instead they are part of the path to success. My ability to adapt to a situation and not looking, sorry, my ability to adapt to a situation not looking or going how I expected or having to deal with interruptions, whether related to or completely irrelevant to my goal, gave me the best chance of finishing. Did some other things that didn't help? Being a perfectionist. As I said earlier, I am a recovering perfectionist. And if there's one thing I learned is that the finished product will not be perfect. Let's say it again for those in the back, your finished product will not be perfect. This was probably the biggest thing I learned as I worked in any goal or project. That my end result may be good. It may even be amazing. It may be better than expected and beyond my wildest dreams, but it will not be perfect. I always had ideas about how I wanted things to turn out and what the perfect outcome would look like. These were the visions I had in my head when I first started dreaming about the project or goal. What I didn't realize or I couldn't articulate was that I also had an idea of how the process would go. I pictured myself easily running 13.1 miles. While writing my book, I pictured myself sitting at the computer typing effortlessly and ideas flowing and signing books at my launch and the smell and the feel of that book in my hands. For you, you may be planning a home renovation and you picture yourself cooking in your brand new kitchen or sitting around the table of a freshly painted room with your family and friends. I learned that all of those things are achievable, but you might need to change the electrician a few times. I spent days and weeks tending to my sore feet and chafed skin. You won't see the imposter syndrome you may feel when you hit publish on your book. I didn't see the million tasks I had to complete and okay before I could hold that copy in my hand. And the things that went wrong or didn't happen at all. So right now, release perfectionism. That truly helped me get to the end of anything I finished. What did help? Well, first, go back to the previous section and repeat that second sentence. The finished project will not be perfect. Are we good with that? Good. Now, so perhaps one of the most important things you can do is release perfectionism right here and now. That doesn't mean you're going to end up with something sloppy or that you shouldn't or that, sorry that you should accept shoddy work from yourself or anyone working with or for you. It's more about your approach to the project. As I mentioned before, adaptability plays a big part in this. I found that the difficulty with being a perfectionist 
is the risk of giving up when things don't go according to the plan. We may agonize over a sentence, trying to make it perfect instead of finishing that first draft. We may not even start because we don't think the end product will be perfect. I know people who fell into this trap and never launched the project of their dreams, or at least not yet, but I will be forwarding this blog post and this podcast episode to them. I learned to remember that done is better than perfect. That imperfect finished project is so much better than the perfect one that exists only in my head. I learned this time and time again in the voluntary work that I do. Sometimes we don't hit our fundraising target or people drop out of their commitments at the last minute. However, we are still able to complete our projects and keep our commitment to our youth and our community. And that is always the better alternative. What else didn't help? Stopping at quote unquote failure. For me, a big part of being able to finish was realizing that failure did not need to be the end and redefining failure as a part of the process. Being able to work through perceived failures such as missed deadlines, missed opportunities, and severed partnerships from people I was collaborating with, to name a few, was a big part of gaining the resilience I needed to finish my projects. There is a lot to be said for getting back up after we are knocked down. Many big successes were marked by what appeared like failures along the way. And in hindsight, we learned the lessons from those failures that give us the skills and the patience required to finish the job. What does help? Being resilient and seeing the long game. I came to understand that failure is a part of the process and the bumps along the roads, so to speak. And I had to learn to take those failures in my stride, even if I whined a little first or a lot. Of course, I was upset and disappointed, and I sometimes struggle to handle those emotions and still be able to take action after the fact. Dealing with those difficult emotions is also a part of the process of finishing. I am shocked sometimes at the range of emotions that I go through while I'm finishing projects, especially those that are really meaningful to me. I experienced feeling like a fraud. Who was I to make such achievements? Sometimes I felt as if I wasn't smart enough or strong enough or fit enough to reach my goals. Or I was worried or fearful of the changes that being successful in the goal would bring. And in addition to facing failures, we need to face these emotions and be able to act in spite of them. Here is where I found lowering the stakes, which I talked about earlier, helped with making the emotions more manageable. In addition, taking an approach of curiosity and experimenting in the process means that instead of feeling like you failed, you can see it as an experiment that needs tweaking. And sometimes things went wrong and I whined and I cried and I called a friend. Sometimes all at once. (laughs) And then I figured out how to continue working towards my goal. What else didn't help? Delay gratification. While this has its place, I had to unlearn my tendency to want to wait until the very end to celebrate. And until then, believing that nothing else would do. Experience has taught me this is not helpful. It was hard to push through everything I mentioned so far. The fear, the emotions, the failure, the perfectionism, without some positive reinforcement along the way. Waiting until the very end to celebrate or even acknowledge progress left me feeling depleted and it made the journey feel like a constant uphill battle. What did help? Celebrating the small wins throughout the process really helped. 
This meant that I noticed my progress and in addition to having the knowledge, sorry, in addition, having and acknowledging those wins helped me bring, helped me build confidence and notice the skills I was developing along the way. It made it easier for me to get back up after failures because I could see just how far I had come and what I had learned along the way. And getting back up after a failure and moving forward, that is also a win in my book. I realized now that I could write so much more on this subject. While starting a big project or goal can take a huge effort, I found finishing required a different sort of mindset. And as I became better at finishing what I started, I also learned to give myself compassion throughout the process and have some fun. While it is true that the journey is just as important as the result, sometimes how we do the journey gives us a better chance of getting the result and of feeling good when we do. And it gives us a great chance of not just creating a result, but creating in us resilience and adaptability, which we can take into all of our projects moving forward. So if you check out my website, you'll find links to some of the posts that I would have mentioned, other things I've written about. And the next podcast, we're going to continue talking about lessons. And I'm going to tell you about one of my favorite lessons next time. It was the lessons I learned when I became an aunt. I cannot wait to hear what you're working on, what you want to finish, and which of these tips you are going to take forward into your project. And I send you big love from a small island.